is going on everybody welcome to this episode of ghost in the night a paranormal and true crime podcast tonight we are going down the parent or another true crime that's what i'm thinking about i can't speak because i'm so excited about this episode i'm so excited and uh, i just can't hide it we are covering the worst christmas ever the disappearance of the solder kids out of fayetteville west virginia my home state that is why I wanted to cover this. Country Red. This was brought to us. My mother actually brought this to my attention. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I've lost the mouse. Uh-oh. Mouse is not working. It's on the other screen. telling you. I found it. I found the mouse. But this is an interesting case. It's an, it could be one of the most interesting abduction stories, or it could just be a tragic story. We don't know, and let's be honest, we will never know, but we will get into that momentarily. We want to thank everybody that has joined us in the live stream, and if you're catching this after the fact or on your favorite podcast app, we do record these live on Sundays, these particular episodes, and we also do a bonus episode every Wednesday as well. Yeah. So head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe, and you can join in the fun and interact with our lovely fans that, uh, I shouldn't say fans, they're family members at this point. That intera- interact, 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 interact with us in the chat room. It's always a good time. We actually spend more time reading the chats than we do during the podcast, so that's always a good thing. Yes. Anything you want to add before we get started? I'm just over here fucking hashtagging Twitter. Well, once you get that done, we'll get it rolling. I'm ready to go. I do, well, I'm, I, I'm ready to do stuff and things. Let me whistle the wet my whistle, whistle my wet, all that happy shit. So while you work, we will get into the solder kids. All right, let's see if this Twitter tweet twit twitty twat Twitter twat twatter twatter Twitter twatter whatever. I don't care. All right, you ready? I'm I'm starting. Yeah, starting with or without you. I don't care, and we'll we'll let that car with the no muffler drive by real quick. God, I love this area. This new studio in California, this sucks. Dude, it's like all day, every day, like we're trying to record audio pieces and there's just fucking Ferraris and Fast and Furious cars just driving around, picking up their Louboutin shoes and uh, Boba. Sounded good. I have no idea what you're talking about, but sounded good. Whatever the hip coffee is now. All right. Kopi Luwak, the shit that the cats eat and poop out. All right. Let's get to the meat and bones of this podcast. On December 24th, 1945, a fire broke out in the Sauter residence in Fayetteville, West Virginia. Uh, George and Jenny Sauter were the parents, and they had, get this, they had 10, I mean 10 children. There was, you know what's going on there? A lot of fucking. Were they Mormon? No, they're Italian. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they did have 10 kids. Uh, They had... John, who was 23, which isn't a kid. He was an older older adult. Uh, George Jr., who was 16. Marion, who was 17. Sylvia, who was 3. And Joe, who was 21. Which, Joe was not home at the time of this fire. He was away in the Army. He was, so he's 21, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was over there fighting the Nazis. Which, as we know, this was about six, eh, six, three to six months after the end of the war, depending on which... Which part of the theater you want to talk about? Yeah, this family had a hell of a year. Yeah. Uh, they also had mm, 
Uh, let's see. Where am I at? Oh, Maurice, who was 14. Martha, who was 12. Louis, who was 9. Jenny, that who was 8. And Betty, who was 5. Betty. Now, let's uh, before we get into the fire, let's go over the background of George Sauter. Because I think we need to get where he was from and all that shit. Like was I said, he an iron worker? No. Soldering uh, George, iron? No. George Sauter was born with the name Giorgio Sudo in Tula, Sardinia, Italy. Say that. I'm not Italian, so I do not know. I don't even know where we are. I was just looking at you. T- Sardinia? Yes. That's where sardines come from. If you say so. I, I think they come. They just come. I don't know. They just show up in a nice little tin That's can. why the ocean's so salty, because fish fucking it. We- <laughs> think I about have- all that whale jizz. We've covered that, but he was twenty born liters. Italy. He was born or ten liters. Either way, that's a lot of jizz. He was born in Italy in nineteen or eighteen ninety five. Thirteen years later, he migrated to the United States. Uh, he really wouldn't talk. He wasn't really forthcoming about why he left Italy, but uh, because he was a fucking spy for Mussolini coming to steal America's secrets. No, that's not what it was. And we will actually touch on this a little bit. I don't know if I believe you. If movies like Watchmen have taught me anything, that is rampant and it happens all the time. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but he eventually uh, found his way to Pennsylvania where he worked on the railroad uh, carrying water and other supplies to the workers. All the live long day. After a few years, he took a more prominent work as a driver in Smithers, West Virginia. Smithers. What's up? My mother's here. Hello. Release the hounds. Everybody like and share the video. He then started after a few what years. That? Sorry, that's a plug. After a few years, I he, thought it was like a fucking human head or something. You know, I mean, could very well be. Uh, after a few years, he was very successful, saved up his pennies, and he started his own trucking company. It was in Smithers when he started this trucking company is when he met his wife Jenny Pepperini. What? Yes, Travis. I'm gonna. I was raising my hand for the people that are listening. I'm gonna change the settings on these lights because all the changing is starting to give me a headache. <laughs> Do whatever you want. And I'll just keep going. Uh, he would eventually get married to her. They soon moved just outside Fayetteville, West Virginia. Now, Fayetteville had a very large Italian immigrant population, which, you know, at this time, all immigrants kind of congregated together. They moved to where they felt comfortable. They felt comfortable yeah, that's how you got with people of fucking, their own descent. Yeah. So you get Chinatowns and yeah. Little Italy's and shit like that. Which, I, there's nothing racist about it. Didn't Why didn't... Go ahead. There's nothing racist about it. People just, you know, when you're coming to a new country, you know, you I mean, might I will, not speak the language. There, right? there is a, a level of I mean, pressure I from the outside right. as well. Right. Once it starts, they're like, stay in your place. Oh, you fucking fuck off. Oy, oy. But why didn't they just call it Literally? I do not know. Dude, it's like, it, it's just, it's, it's branding. It's all branding. There'd be people, little kids walking around with Literally New York City shirts. Everywhere, but I pizza literally, like I heart and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Uh, but anyway, uh, like I said, they had a Fayetteville had a very vast immigrant Italian population, so they were comfortable there. So they moved there. It was in 1923 that they started to started their family, and their first child was born at this time in Fayetteville. In 19 19- Fayetteville, West Virginia. Yes. At Arkansas, West Virginia. It's just surprisingly that it, it was diverse in West Virginia ever. You'd be surprised. Is there any racism in this holler? No, 
all people come from out out of out of country and out of state. They stay in their own holler. That's the only difference. You have Chinatown in New York City, but you got you got like Ching Chong uh, <laughs> holler in West Virginia. I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> oh God. Well, I guess nobody's allowed to say it, but I guess it's more okay for me to say. You it. can get away with it more than other, anybody else. I guess. You think is that how it is though? Being a West Virginian. Uh, Are there segregated hollers? I, don't know, I haven't lived in West Virginia in forty years. Perfect. So you were there right at the peak of all this shit. Because <laughs> let's be real, I seriously don't. I mean, West Virginia is pretty known for it's, according to Twitter, the most racist state. I do not agree with by that. one thousand by every they no. went off racial slurs per every hundred thousand tweets. But then I thought about it and I was like, yeah, but California's got like seven hundred billion tweets a day, and West Virginia's probably got like. Like 115. <laughs> like, and let's be honest. And it's all from two fucking girls that are fighting over some dude that dips skull berry and fucking is missing one tooth. And let's be honest. What? 50% of Twitter are bots anyway. I'll be honest. I don't get on Twitter that often. So it doesn't matter. Anyway. Instagram's way more entertaining. Just give me the fucking the puppy videos and shit. Well, you would like puppy videos. I like a little more meat and substance to my... Well, it depends on the video. I mean, I'm always down for a puppy video, though. Other than that, some trends are cool. Um, funny stuff. I like funny stuff. Guns. Metal yeah. music. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. So let's get to the, the events of Christmas Eve 1945. Uh, the family December was... 24th. I know that. I, yes, I looked it up. Very good. The family was celebrating Christmas <laughs> Eve. Marion, the oldest daughter, worked at a dime store in town. She brought some presents for her three younger sisters. So Jenny let the kids stay up past their normal bedtime because this was 1945. People had bedtimes. We just didn't let the kids run the fucking asylum. Coming from two guys that like regularly will stay up at one just to watch hey, I like to a fucking at, YouTube video. I went to bed early. I know. You were in bed when I got home last I night. I know. I don't even, I didn't know where you came in. Really? Because I, I walked in and took a shit immediately. I was out. I was tired. I was in there watching. I went to like fucking watch reels on my phone and it was turned up too loud. I was like, oh shit. Daddy, Daddy was sleepy, so Daddy went to bed. That's uh, weird. <laughs> all right. But like I said, uh, Marion brought some presents for her three younger sisters and Jenny let them stay up a little later, a little past the bedtime. Uh, George and two, the two oldest boys had already went to bed for the night because they had worked uh, with the uh, trucking company and probably did some work around the farm. So they were a little tired. And so as any hardworking man knows, like I did yesterday, that you go to bed, you get your shit to bed and get some rest. Eventually, Jenny took Sylvia, who was the two-year-old at the time, upstairs to, the bed, to bed and she went to bed herself. Now, she, had, she told the remaining kids to finish any chores they had and then go to bed. Now, at 12.30, the phone rang, and it woke Jenny up. So she walked downstairs to, uh, you know, see. That's a pretty well-off family. They got phones and shit. Well, you know, he did own a business, so. But when Jenny uh, answered the phone, the caller was a woman whose voice she did not recognize uh, the name she asked for, she did not recognize, and Jenny could hear laughter and clinking glasses in the background, which, so somebody's having a Christmas Eve party. Not anything suspicious at this point. A German Christmas Eve party? I do not know. Or no, they're Italian. So well, it could have been uh, German. 
Axis forces. Yeah, it's just a bunch of fucking former Nazis having a party in America. They're like, oh, yeah, I brought the Black House and Jägermeister. And then they're like, we brought the, uh, I don't know, Limoncello. Right. But I don't know any other Italian alcohols. Estella Atua. <laughs> but anyway, Jenny uh, told the caller, hey, you got the wrong number and hung up the phone. Bitch, stop playing on my motherfucking phone all late and shit. Now, Jenny went to, was hung up the phone and she decided to go back to bed, as you would do. Uh, but she noticed that the lights were still on and, and the curtains hadn't been drawn in the living room where the kids were. So when she went into the living room, she saw Marion on the couch asleep. She figured the remaining children had gone upstairs to go to bed. At 1 a.m., Jenny was again awoken by the sound of an object hitting the tin roof of the house and rolling down the roof. So we don't know what this is at this point. I mean, that's why you don't get a fucking metal roof. Oh, there's nothing better than a tin roof. When it's raining, all the other times when it's like fucking acorns falling and shit. And and like squirrels butt-fucking each other. You shouldn't have trees. Cut down the trees by the house. Yeah, but where's your sense of adventure? You gotta live one. dangerously sometimes. You have trees close to the house, and then you cut them ever so slightly. Anyway, uh, okay, after uh, about a half hour went by, and Jenny woke up again, and she could smell smoke at this time. Uh, she got up, and she found in the room George used as his office, uh, a fire had broke out around the telephone line and fuse box. Uh, Jenny woke George up, and he proceeded to wake up the three oldest boys who were sleeping downstairs and George and Jenny, Sylvia and the three boys got out of the house. Now, once his wife and those four kids were out of the house, uh, George went back in to get the remaining children out of the house. The fire was spreading extremely quick, quickly, which is not a surprise at this time in 1945, you know, the house goes quick. They don't have all the fire prevention shit that we have now. And plus, I'm pretty sure I heard that it was just much drier in 1945. I don't. There's no science to back that up, and I don't know what exactly that means, because I made it up. But anyway, George went back in the house, uh, and the entire staircase was engulfed in flames, so he could not get to... You jump out the window. Fuck could, that. Well, he couldn't. He was already upstairs. He was downstairs. He was going upstairs to get the other kids. Oh, okay. So he could not get up... Could not get up there to get the kids... He yelled for the kids, but there was no response. Now, yeah, there's a fucking fire. Like they're probably jumping out windows. Well, you would think, or you at least with kids this age and younger, you would hear. You think you would hear some screaming. That's why you need a collie. Border collie. Any time? No, a collie, collie, lassie, collie. Collies would not let this happen, or a golden retriever. Oh, I just thought lassie would just you know keep you from falling in wells. I mean, it's any and all emergency. Lassie is equal opportunity lifesaver. <clears throat> but you would think that, you you know, in this fire, you would hear the kids, you know, there would be some screaming. There would be frantic behavior trying to get out, you know, trying. You, you'd hear something, you would think. Unless. Oh, yeah, unless they're asleep. And they weren't awoke. The sm- and then they inhaled the smoke. smoke and then they killed they were, them. Yeah. That's very possible. And that we were going to touch on that a little bit later when we get to the conspiracy part of this episode. But now we, you're fucking talking my language. Rub my nipples while you say it. I will. Say it slower and harder. I don't know how to say it harder, but just do it. All right. Just see what comes out of your face hole. Now, 
Oh, something's hit my leg. Now, when Georgia... It's my dick. That's how hard I am right now. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. I'd have to be sitting on your lap. Oh, no, I've got a super boner. Okay, while George was doing this... It's a Rob uh, Zombie song. Jenny had also went back in the house to uh, use the uh, phone to call the, for the fire... Call the fire department. Not call for the fire department. Call the oh, department. that'd be sick. I'm not going to lie. To be back in that time where they... The fucking horn. You <laughs> right. would think they would. It's still 1945. Right. Now... When she made it, tried to place this call, uh, the phone was dead. You couldn't get through. Now this is back in the old days, you know. When you had, you know, you had to. Yeah, and you but, had, actually okay. you had to probably just had to hit it and go to a switchboard. You know, you had the operator. Okay, go on. Anyway, because I have questions up to this point, but they might be answered in the following sentences. Uh, okay. Well, let me just get this next part out. Perfect. Uh, Jenny went back outside and told Marion, the oldest daughter, mm-hmm. to go to the neighbor's house to use the phone to call for. The fire department. Uh, unfortunately, either the the neighbors weren't home, or they just didn't answer the door because she couldn't make the call. So they could not get a hold of the fire department at this time. Now, what are your questions? And I will. Before, oh shit! Before we uh, I get well, now I have a whole new set of questions. Okay. Well, what it is? I'll address them. One, actually, one's a suggestion. What? She should have just ran her ass to the goddamn fire department because by the time you get in that house and use the rotary phone, you could probably be there anyway. Probably not. They were two miles away. They were, I think their house was about two miles outside of town. That's what you get. Well, this is, it's 1945 in the country. Exactly. If you live in the country in 1945, you just have to accept that you're going to die if anything happens. Very true. But the house is getting burnt to the ground. They'd be like, I stubbed my toe. I love you, Bessie. Uh, You're my favorite cow. Now, any more questions before I move on to what George is doing at this time? Uh, not about this topic. Okay. But... <laughs> now, while Jenny was trying to get uh, the a phone call out to the fire department, uh, George was trying to find a way to rescue the remaining kids that are still upstairs on the second floor in the house. He goes outside, according to his statement, and looks... He finds uh, they have barrels of water outside. So mm-hmm. first instinct, which would be useless in a fire. She's just going to cup it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But when you're frantic like that, you'll do anything, you know, to... He's going to start putting out the fire. But it was December. It was Christmas Eve. Cold as shit. The, the water was frozen solid. So bad plan number one. No, you just you break it, and then you just start rolling the ice cubes around. <laughs> yes. Just throw ice on the roof. Uh, after he realizes this, he goes to the side of the house where he always keeps his ladder. Okay, because so he's going to climb up on the use ladder on the metal roof of the house that's on fire. That's a good call. But when your kids are in there, you're going to do anything. You can't. That's just the way it works. This is like a fucking action movie. Yes, it's like I feel like I'm watching Face Off, but like actually a good movie. Uh, but when he gets to the, ho- the side of the house where the ladder is, guess what? It's gone. It's gone. The ladder is gone. Now, things are not going to plan, to plan, so he's moving to plan C and D. This is like a movie. I'm really right. liking this. He uh, goes to get his trucks. He owns a trucking company. You know, these are just you know, bigger than pickup trucks. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like flatbed industrial mm-hmm. trucks. Delivering cart and crates right. of peaches. And, but they weren't semis, uh, per se. Fucking, I don't know, Vienna sausages. Right. He goes. Spam. His plan is to move the trucks to gain access to the second floor. You know, climb up on them and mm-hmm. go to the second floor. However, none of the trucks would start. 
We could not get any of the trucks to start. So what was wrong with the trucks? We don't know. Honestly, that we do not know. Oh, so even later, there's no evidence on that? There's no, like, the starter was There's one little thing with the truck, but... Sugar in the gas tank? There's none of that. Well, this is 1945. Sorry. It's a big truck. Fuel tank. 1945, (laughs) cars don't react. Even cars today do not react well to cold temperatures. So this, the truck's not starting, is not... Nefarious. There's no conspiracy behind this. Other thing. I just think it was fucking cold. I bet you. you know, and if they the were diesel was... trucks, which is very possible, I get. I'm assuming diesel trucks were pretty popular by, or were used back then. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. They probably didn't have DEF. And anybody that knows diesel trucks, them some bitches take. They have to be. They have to be warmed up. You know, that's why they have glow plugs to. Yeah. Warm. You just can't start a diesel truck. In cold yeah. Weather. You gotta hit. The, you gotta hit it with the the little. They they got they the got be, they have to be plugged in to start and warmed up. You just can't fire up. So I don't know. You know the problem probably was. I bet you he didn't have Peterbilt. Now I will say this: King of the Road. Years later, one of the son-in-laws uh, stated he believes that nothing nefarious happened to the truck. No, there was no. Of sad. course he does. He's, he did it. There we go. We fucking solved <laughs> it right there, man. Son-in-law. So he might. I'm really going into this like I'm watching a movie. Right. Where was you lose your spot? Well, yeah, no. But anyway, he said uh, he believes that he they flooded the truck, and that's why they wouldn't start. The That'll do carburetor. It. Back yeah. to, you know, these are carburetors, carbureted trucks. So yes, that is very possible. So I do not. When we get to the conspiracy part of this episode, which is coming here shortly, I don't put much stock in the truck, even though. It's possible because there's something else that happens with the trucks. The uh, trucks explode, too. Uh, there's a little kink with the uh, trucks Trucks that maybe somebody fucked with them. I don't know. Now, where was I? Now, at this point, George and Jenny have pretty much run out of options, and they have the only thing they could hope is their five kids somehow made it out of the house. Maybe they climbed out the window and moved the ladder, but they just... I guess they go looking for these... Kids, like I said earlier, the fire was spreading rapidly. Mm-hmm. It was it was chugging along. Now, according to George and Jenny, it only took approximately forty five minutes for the house to collapse. So by that was a hell of a fire. Well, yeah, that too. But I'm not saying it's not believable. I'm just saying like, clearly some, this did not start. Like, there's something forty five minutes. It clearly didn't start as just like a fucking cigarette. No, they think. It's, I will get to it, but they think it's an electrical fire. Something went wrong mm-hmm. with the electric. You know that somehow a wire crossed. Whatever. There's they got, they got Doc Brown. But according to you know building codes at that time, the walls. I don't know. <coughs> excuse me. I, there's something about the way they built houses at that time that kind of allowed this the fire to spread through the walls rather rapidly, which makes a little bit of sense. I mean, it's did, probably because they were insulating the shit with like fucking shredded newspapers, right? But 45 minutes, so if the, the, sometime the fire started around, or she noticed the fire around 1.30, so by, let's figure, 2.30, the house is pretty much collapsed. Yeah. It is a pile of burning rubble. Mm-hmm. Now, a passing car sees the house on fire at some point in this, I would assume, while they're running around trying to find the kids, and goes to the fire, tar- fire department to report, hey, there's a fire two miles outside, out of Good town. Good call. 
Right. So good Samaritan. Now see, there's a there's a fire two miles out of town. We'll see you in an hour. Oh oh, that's being generous. I'll get to that in a second. Now this is going to be worse than fucking oh, Princess Diana. Oh, or Whitney Houston. This, Do you know it took like sixteen hours or something like that for them to take Whitney Houston's body to the hospital from it, that hotel. It's close to this. God damn. Okay. Now the Fayetteville Fire Department Ow. was an entirely volunteer fire department at this time. Oh, fuck. The chief is the only one there, and he has to call and get all the volunteer firefighters. Oh, you're fucked. To get them out of bed on Christmas Eve, if they were even home. Yeah, no, nah, you better call Jake from State Farm, because you're losing that house, bud. By the time he gets a hold of every, everyone and gets all their gear, get them there, get all the gear, get in, loaded in the trucks, and head on out to the solder house, it was 7 o'clock in the morning when they got there. 7 a.m. So... What do you do at that point? Like, do you just roll up with fucking, like, breakfast sandwiches? Like, sorry, I mean, the damage is done. What's up? We figured breakfast was fine. Now, we brought extras. We bought, we, we bought a dozen of those sausage breakfast burritos from McDonald's for all the fucking people right. rubbernecking the, know, fi- the burnt-down dead people house. No disrespect to firefighters. I respect the shit out of them. But, this but is, these ones sucked. This is where the term foundation savers come in. Oh no! That's like, all that's left. Of yeah, go house. firefighters! They're fucking great. These, this, well, maybe not these firefighters, but the the setup of this county's uh, firefighter and fire response locationing and management but, was very poor. But let's think about this. So they had five: the solder, George and Jenny, the solders, and the four kids in, that survived. They had four or five hours to sit there and look at a. You know, I'm sure the rubble was still on fire. They were so fire. <laughs> to sit there and just look, knowing or thinking that their other five children were in that burning How much of a hell would that be? I could not imagine. I mean, the hell, the fear, the frustration. And I mean. That would be going through their mind. At least they're already cremated. Oh, you are. You are. Well, we're, something we're gonna get to that you just <laughs> we're gonna get to that too this is really dark do you just like go in there and like be like they're probably around here right around here and just like scoop some of the ashes just be like that's probably them <laughs> it's oh. either them or it's the china hutch i'm or, not really sure <laughs> or were they just saying and eh, we got four, we got four other ones we're good yeah the kids are fucking bawling their eyes out and the parents are just like i'm glad we got out of there with half of them like you see, honey, I told you more was better. <laughs> anyway, that's this is wrong. But I, I would imagine that would be the longest, most heart wrenching, the most terrifying four or five, five or six hours in a parent's life. That has to be. I mean, I couldn't even imagine it. the fear and the anger and the. There was probably a lot of cussing of God on, in those in that time frame. I would think. Dagnabbit, Lord. Now let's get to the fire department and their investigation. And was there one at all? Very little. Of course, it, like I said, this is 1945. How much? You know, a lot more than you, you think. I think, mean, look at Velisca. They have fingerprints in Vali- during Velisca. That's true. Uh, the investigators ruled that the house burned down because of an electric fire that started in the walls. Uh, the report also states that the five children died in the fire. But this is where things start to get weird. Okay. Now, during the entire investigation, they never found any remains inside the the uh, rubble. 
House fires don't burn that goddamn hot. We're gonna get that. We're gonna get to that. I mean, they might, but for all of trust, them, trust me, I'm gonna cover that. Not one bone fragment or one tooth was found. Yeah, okay. Some rem- some remains should have been found in that house. If those, you would think so. I mean, I don't know. Even when the now. At this, when it comes to this point, you know, the Sauter family, George and Jenny, they don't think the five kids were in the house because there's no remains found. And, you know, so naturally they're clinging on to the hope that their kids are still alive. Uh, I believe Jenny goes to a mortician uh, and he, she asked them about cremation. Uh, and the mortician basically says they burn, when they cremate a body, it's right around 2,000 degrees. And there are still pieces of bone and teeth left. They have to manually ground those up mm-hmm. before they give them to the family members. So unless this fire was burning extremely hot, you would have think that they would have found some sort of remains. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we're going. Do you think it's true that they cremate bodies multiples at a time and shit like that? Like I, I've heard that I at least know. with dogs. Like, very often, like, the ashes you get back might not even be your dog. I do not know. That's a shitty thought. What if it was haunted? Could you imagine that shit? Like, you're like, oh, we'll put Grandpa up here next to the fucking clock from uh, Beauty and the Beast looking thing. And then, like, you're like, what happened? I think Grandpa's haunting us, but why is he being so scary and knocking things over in the middle of the night? And there's just some random guy that you've never met before, like, bitch, my name's Greg. Right. Now, uh, where are we? I at? died in a fucking smelting accident. So basically, the uh, fire department rules an electrical fire started in the walls due to faulty wiring. We're going to cover that in a little bit, too. And the police department naturally comes out and does a little bit of an investigation. What? If you, you said, and we'll talk about that, too, with the faulty wiring. If you tell me that there's no electricity in this house, that, <laughs> that would be, be the perfect fucking cherry on top. <laughs> that would be funny. But they died in an electrical fire. What caught on fire? We're still trying to figure that out. There's yeah. not actually electricity. It stops at the street, but all signs point to electrical fire within the home. Okay. Where was I at? Shit. Okay. Now, the police come out and do a little bit of, of, of an investigation, you know, a few days later. Now, what they find is that the phone line was not burnt, or it wasn't burnt. They found it was actually physically cut, not melted and then split. Yeah, so it's a fire cut. Haven't you ever heard of that? Yeah, sure. Straight-edge fire cut. Yeah. It was actually snipped. Fire snippers. Yes. Like, you know, like how they draw pictures or draw fucking flames on a Harley Davidson or like a hot rod and they come together yeah. kind of like a crab claw fire snipper. That's what that was. Just the natural formation of the fire doing what it does. Can't stop it. Can't stop the elements. Yeah. That Bing. Is, that's a good point. I like it. I like where you're fire snippers. We fought, we've solved it multiple times. We have, uh, now during the police investigation, they actually arrested a man who was, they thought was on the property. And what they arrested him for was they caught him with a block and tackle, which is basically a pulley-type lifting system. So I call my, my nether region. You yeah. want to see my block and tackle? Yes. Apparently, he had stolen it from George's, one of George's trucks. Son of a bitch. And 
he confessed to the robbery, but he said he had nothing to do with the fire. And he stole these during the fire. He took advantage of the frantic nature of what was going on. I guess saw. Well, you still didn't tell anybody? He if did. you're going to steal their shit, at least be like, hey, call somebody. Are you stealing that? Because it was 1945. If you're just stealing shit from a truck while there's a fire, they're going to be like, you stealing that? Yeah. What's your name? Why? Because otherwise I will not be able to get your information to the police to catch you and you will go forever free on what you're doing. He'd be like, fuck you. Name's John Wayne, bitch. Shut up. Let me get my block and tackle. I'm trying to get this hand drill too, but I don't know if I got time. Um, but apparently not much. I couldn't find much on this guy. That's just a report of him confessing. I could not find like what. the fucking, um, uh, the fuck, what was the restaurant in West Memphis? Was it Zaxby's or some shit? Oh, Bojangles? Bojangles. Yeah, Bojangles. West Virginia version of that. Oh, whatever. That guy, the, nobody that just disappeared. They're like, he done a thing, but oh, we don't know where it went. But the... He gone. The, uh, that boy gone. The police department, nothing seemed to come of this. Even though he confessed to the crime, he said he didn't start the... Mur- the uh, fire he just used I the fire the it was more of a crime of opportunity he saw mm-hmm. the fire and decided to that's fair which is plausible i would still even if i was gonna do that i would still probably say something to somebody like uh hey i just had i was just walking by with this block and tackle you know going home from work you know and there's something going on I'm, she might want to call someone they're like oh my god and he's like yeah crazy right it's just like just because it, it, it's a movie in my mind, so like they're like oh, and they run away and like barely push the door, and he you just see his arm like snatch something off the fucking table by the door while he's on his way out, and it plays that like music from fucking Home Alone. I I see that I can see that that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, yeah. We should start writing movies. We should. But anyway, where was I at? Uh, okay, but this is where the conspiracy starts. Going off the rails. The conspiracy... Which one? Because there's like three in my head so far. Oh, oh, well, I'm going to add to that. Trust me. We are going to take your conspiracy hard this on and destroy the hell episode. out of it. This is going to be a three-hour episode. Probably. Uh, there is no doubt that things didn't add up with this... Oh, fire. the whole thing? George and Jenny... <laughs> really none of it. George and Jenny never believed their kids died in that fire. They wondered why, if it had been caused by an electrical problem... The family Christmas lights had remained on throughout the fire mm. in the early, or in the, at least in the early stages before the house entirely went, you know, crumbling down. Uh, when the power should have been, you would think the power would be eventually go out. It would burn through the wires and go out. Mm. Or if it was the fire, you know, you would think, especially if it happened to the fuse box, it would blow the, those fuses. And, you, know, you would think something would happen. I don't know. I'm not an electrician. They found the ladder that he went to go find mm-hmm. at the side of the house. They found it, uh, where was it, like, approximately at the bottom of an embankment, 75 feet away. So something moved the ladder. Now, back in this time, these were, back in the old days, they made things to last. Mm-hmm. So this was a tall enough ladder to get to a second store. It wasn't just, you know, a little six-foot step ladder. It was one of those bigger ladders, you know. Yeah, one that we that would not lean, climb now. Lean to. Right. So wind would not blow that some unless a tornado went through there, seventy-five feet. 
somebody it sounds to me like somebody moved that ladder. Mm. Uh, now do we know what? Was it El Nino? I do not know. I did not look into the weather. So that's a piece of information that would be very valuable. Go on. As we covered earlier, the phone line had been cut sometime between fire snippers between twelve thirty and one thirty. We figured we'd debunk that one. (laughs) Jenny answered the phone. It was phone was working at twelve thirty when she got up to answer the prank call from the drunk the drunk Germans clanking their glasses. We're going to burn your house down, (laughs) you stupid bitch. Uh. What was that? Does somebody have my grenade butt plug? Throwback. Like I said, the thief did confess to cutting the thief who uh, he confessed to cutting the phone line too. Uh, motherfucker, no! That's what the right. fuck? How do you if you confess to cutting the fucking what? Well, he he said he confessed to cutting the phone line. He said so they he, couldn't call the cops no, if they caught him fucking breaking into his truck. No, he thought it was the power line. Either way, why do you need to cut either of those things to steal a fucking block and tackle? Right, that's... And I would I say probably next. the latter. Why the hell would you want to cut even a utility line at the slaughterhouse while stealing a block and tackle? Just get in and get out. Yeah, I'm assuming, I would, like I said, I would assume but, it was, he also stole the ladder. But also, what I... If, it just, it, was it sounds big. like it's on the other end of the house. The ladder? Yeah, the ladder was on the other end of the house, and the trucks were on the, the opposite end. Yeah, but I. W- so he See, might have not but, seen the ladder. He might not saw the ladder. Anyway, that's irrelevant. Well, and if you thought. But cutting the. To steal from a block and tackle off the truck, cutting the utilities is not necessary. No. Why? You literally especially, just fucking grab it and walk away. Especially if the house. He stated that the house was on fire when he was doing this. What's the point? Get the shit and get out. His stories doesn't add up. Right. Like, why'd you, why did you steal it during the fire? Well. I'm being completely honest with you, sir. It was very well lit, and I could see what I was looking for, so I took that opportunity. Right. Now, the family always felt that the fire did not burn hot enough. Like, she went to the crematorium and Mm -hmm. inquisitioned them. You say that real quick. Spanish? Yes, the inquisition. What a show. Inquisition. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? World. History of the World, part one. Good fucking movie. Honey Python? Oh, I've seen it, right. but not in years. But she, uh, she, she knew that the house didn't, you know, generally, I think house fires generally burn about 1,500. I could be wrong about that, depending on what's in the house, what the accelerant is. Uh, but they did find pieces of a, appliances still in the rubble, uh, pieces of the tin roof still in the rubble. It wasn't just, everything wasn't just turned to ash. So they definitely thought that the house did not burn hard enough hot enough to actually cremate the entire bodies there should have been some sort of remains some some bone fragments some what do you a standard house fire can reach temperatures of up to 1500 degrees fahrenheit didn't isn't that what i said standard isn't that what i said 1500 damn i was just confirming yes i'm good i was a hell of a guess on my part wasn't a guess i researched my shit uh but anyway the they found pieces of appliances. They found pieces of the tin roof in the rubble. So we knew it didn't burn melt the wires. Hard. There should have been. I'm sure it probably melted wires, but it should. There should have been pieces of bone. Some remains. Oh, you're found t- yeah. At this time, George personally felt that the trucks were messed with, and that is why they would not start. Uh, like I said earlier, however, uh, one of George's son-in-laws told the Charleston Gazette Mail in 2013 
that he had come to believe that the Sodders and his sons might have actually flooded it in their haste to move the trucks. Which is very plausible. Right. Your fucking house is on fire with your children and brothers and sisters in it. I would say that's very plausible. Now, apparently George was not the most popular person in town. It always goes that way. Everybody that dies is there. Everybody's like, he's kind of a dick. And this is, I'm on, this next part kind of confuses me a little bit. Um, the town was a heavily, like I said, Italian immigrant population. What do you think an Italian person with a West Virginia accent sounds like? That'd be freaking awesome. Molto bene. <laughs> uh, but apparently a lot of the uh, residents of Fayetteville that were Italian supported Mussolini. And George often criticized the late dictator and had left. Maybe there were some hard feelings between him and the rest of the community. And by this time, I think December of 45, Mussolini had already, he was already dead. So, and like we, we've kind of talked about this. Doesn't make sense to me. I get, well, you got to remember Mussolini was aligned with Hitler Mm-hmm. Why would anybody kind of choose that side, especially here in, that we're living here in America? I would think my first initial thought would be, going, "These people are fucking crazy because they're siding with the Axis powers and they are bad fuckers." However, the more yeah, I, that's a that's different than like Republican and Democrat. The more you I, can't come at me as a supporter of the Axel of whatever the fuck Axis powers, yeah, Axis, yes, in the forties, and be like, I mean, you know. Not everybody's right all the time. Like, no, that one's all the way wrong. Fucker. Fucker. The more I thought about this, you got to remember, there was also, there were people here in the United States that still supported Hitler. Yeah. Even during the war and probably after the war. It's not that far-fetched that even some Italian immigrants would still support Mussolini, even though he was dead, but were sympathetic to the homeland's cause, I guess. So I, I don't know. Don't know if I had if I thought rationally about it. That's what I, I can't confirm or deny. But I would hope. And also, we we are well aware of the atrocities that hap- that the Nazi Party did during the war. Mm-hmm. At this time, it wasn't completely known things of what went on during the war of what actually happened in the concentration camps was not common knowledge like it is for what we think it is now. This was slowly leaked over time of what the Nazis were truly up to. You know what I'm saying? So the, that hatred... So it's like 1940. It's like the day they end the war. They're like, Hitler has been assassinated or killed. The, the, the atrocities of the 13,000 Jewish people that were, have passed away have been righted. <laughs> and then like as the days go by, that reporter's like... Fuck. Right. But so, I always wondered that. Do you think they talk like normal, like us, when they're off camera? Because everybody on the news talked like this back in the day. They always had a little bit of an inflection. Or do you think they literally were like, I'll have a Tom Collins, please. And can I also get a steak, medium, and some potatoes? Thanks, toots. Right. But my point is, maybe not everybody was completely fully aware of the atrocities at the Nazi parties. And I'm sure... sure that the Mussolini clan probably helped with. Probably not the coolest people. Right. So I give them a little bit of a break there. So I don't know. This is very possible that there were 
odds they were fighting between the Sodders and the rest of or a majority of the Italian immigrant population of Fayetteville at the time. Now, let's go a little bit before the fire. Some strange things happened prior to the fire that need to be discussed. In October of 1945, George was visited by a uh, traveling salesman selling life insurance for him. And the uh, life insurance salesman wanted to sell him life insurance for his kids, which is common. People do do have their kids in do 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 their kids or they do have their kids in uh, insured. That would have been really handy back in like the 1700s. Yes, but the payout they would have lost money. I mean, if you're fucking what you put in the one straw penny a month, and then you get like a fucking three hundred pound hog. Yes, like if that. one of them passes, I mean that's back then that's a good deal. Right now, George, this insurance salesman, George, kind of said, "You know what? I'm good. Thanks. Get to stepping, bitch." This did not go over well with the traveling or the door-to-door salesman. He was rather pissy, and he told George, "His house would go up in smoke, and your children would be destroyed." That is a quote, according to George. God damn. I mean, he did not That's take foreboding and also just straight up foreshadowing. He did not take the word no, did not know no means no, and said he was going to be pissed about it. Now, what a twat. As for the electrical fire, apparently after this, you know, any, any, I am also very leery of electrical fires. That is my worst fear is electrical fires. Uh, George had had an electrician inspect the wiring a few weeks before the fire. And it was given an all-good report from that electrician, so that makes things a bit weird as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying sure something could have happened between the time it was inspected to the fire, or maybe the like the whoever inspected the electrician that inspected it could have missed something, but it does make it a little bit more interesting, I think, that he did take the time to have it inspected, and then a few weeks later. There was an electrical fire. Mm. Okay. Now let's get into one of the most mysterious characters in this whole conspiracy plot against the Sauter family. There's a gentleman by the name of C.G. Genitello. Uh, he is a man with his fingers throughout the community of Fayetteville. He's one of the big wigs that he's, he's into everything. Uh, he's an officer at the bank which holds the mortgage to the Sauter house. Uh, he was one. He was the person that sent the life insurance salesman. This life insurance salesman that George told to get lost was a friend, close personal friend of uh, Janatello's, hmm. according to reports. And if I'm being honest, the way this Janatello kind of operates, and I'll go into a little bit more detail here in a minute, but there's probably Janatello was very pissed about him turning down the salesman as well, mm-hmm. and probably because. There was probably, uh, he was getting a little bit of a kickback action from the salesperson, you know, cut, cutting him into the deal a little bit if he would have hmm. sold him insurance. Janatello uh, also employed George's <laughs> trucking company. So they had a working relationship or kind of a, if he employed them, kind of like a customer. He was a customer of George's, essentially. Interesting. Rather than an employee, employer. So, <laughs> with every bullet point, you're just basically going, this guy did it. No, we're going to get to that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? 
There's all kind. Of, we're just getting started. Let me guess. With did it. the fucking guy that stole the the block and tackle work for him too? I do not think so. Did the fire department work for him too? We're gonna get to that. We will get to that. Just he's an interesting character. Uh, the bank that holds the mortgage was a, had an insurance provision in it against any kind of natural disaster or fire. Now, I guess this isn't. I guess it's common. But what's uncommon about this is, in this case, for some reason, Janet Tello was named as bank officer, was named the benefactor of the policy against for the solid house and not the bank itself. I So he did it. This is definitely, oh, it gets even, this is definitely motive. And we're just going to add to this. Two months before the fire, Janet Tello increased the payout of the insurance policy. From seventeen hundred dollars, seventeen hundred and fifty dollars to, oh, I'm sorry, from a thousand to seventeen hundred and fifty dollars, which in today's money that's approximately twenty seven thousand dollars. A twenty seven thousand dollar difference or twenty seven thousand dollars total? I think a twenty seven thousand dollar difference. Jesus Christ! Oh, uh, damn! So it was already what? If seven fifty is twenty seven thousand, right? So like thirty thousand, thirty two thousand. Of course, not. That was probably so 60,000-ish. That quote was probably well before our market fucking crashed. And so, hell, that might be more. Than, it might be uh, $2.50 more. It's $4.7 billion. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Genitello was never brought in for questioning, but he will pop up a little bit later in the story, which only adds to the mystery of the role in which he played in this. I don't see any atrocity. mystery. He did it, and that's it. So George is literally, not, you could just drop this in front of a judge and be like, "He done it," and the judge will be like, "Fuck yeah, he done it! Lock that boy up! Fuck George, him!" George is not, and the family are not satisfied with the way the investigation is going. They strongly, no shit. they strongly believe that this guy that, was that Janatolo guy was probably like walking around town, like you know, I did that shit. Fuck you, you can't get me. Uh, yes, but in 1949, George puts, you know, by 1949, he was pretty much taking on the, doing his own investigation. Mm -hmm. He was digging into it. He put together an excavation of the site. They do discover possible bones at the site. Uh, they send them to the- They were like raccoon bones, right? No, no, no. I will get to it. They, they send them to the Smithsonian to be examined. It comes back as a human male- bone between the age of 16 and 24. Now, Maurice's daughter, who was 14 at the time of the fire, would be the only possible match. However, they could not they could not find any other signs that, or I'm sorry, they could not find any signs that the bone had actually been in, the, in a fire. No charring or anything. And let me guess, uh, a kid that was between the ages of 16 and 24 went missing the same night? No. Uh, Damn it. No. Uh, so At Janitolo's house. Nothing was really brought. The bones never really led to anything. Led to anything, I should say. Hmm. Uh, now the Sauter family at this point is very frustrated, and they are still holding holding on to the fact or the belief that their children are alive. So they go to the public. They erect a billboard <laughs> with a. Re <laughs> I said erect. Said erect. I knew you were going there with a reward of five thousand dollars. Eventually, went up to ten thousand dollars. So in 1750, like we said, if that was a difference, that would be like fifty five oh, or 60000 So 10000 is... Oh, well over hundred grand. Well over hundred. 
I mean, ten thousand would be fucking like six hundred thousand dollars. You would think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, or, I don't do math on podcasts. Something like that. Because of the, I'm probably way off. Probably, uh, a woman does come forward after they go public, you know, and do to do their own investigation. This is a great name coming up, and she, uh, she has some info. Her name is Ida Crutchfeld. She runs a is that mo- Crutchfeld or Crutchfield. Crutchfield. What did I say? Feld. Yeah. Oh Crutch- my God. This, Crutchfield. She just sounds like a like Ida. a like a loosey goosey. Like that's what that's not her last name. That's what they call her pubic region. Sweet. It's Crutchfield. No this is ready for of her ready for plowing and 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 harvesting. <laughs> uh, where was that? Uh, so them oats, boy. Crutchfield runs a motel in Charleston, West Virginia, which is approximately sixty miles from the Sodder home. According to her, a week after the fire, four ki- children uh, showed up and checked into the motel, matching the description of the by or the f- of the kids that went missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also were accompanied by two women and two men, so two couples essentially. They, she, according to her, they appeared to be of Italian descent. Which, how do you? I mean, I guess they had olive skin. Fuck, I don't know. Racist, racist. West Virginia, damn it. Uh, Ida tried to actually start a conversation with the children, but was quickly shut down by the adults. Now, sh- she, no, 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 no. You don't talk to my child. Yes. My child talking to you. Uh, the, we have the spaghetti and the Mario Brothers mustache. In the morning, she went to check. They had already left. So they did like a, how you do when you rent just to hit it. You don't even bother checking out. You just leave the key and go. Yeah. That's apparently what these kids or these four Dawson kids did. They just left. She thought. I mean, what was the pro- checkout process in 45 anyway, other than just leave? I don't. Probably. Like, did y'all shit on anything? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's poop everywhere, I ma'am. I am so sorry. I don't know. But I painted that room like, we frosted that room like a fucking cake. <laughs> Ida was not aware of the fire at the time. Uh, she thought... Bullshit. This happened a week at a week after the fire, which... You're thinking of 24-hour news. Oh. No, a fire 60 miles away isn't going to be covered in Charleston, probably. In a week? In a week. You're, I think it would. No. I think just by word of mouth, people going to get no. fucking feed from the next town no. over. You got to remember in 47... Y'all hear no, about that song? I don't family? think there were fucking highways. It would take four days... Go fucking sixty miles. Maybe I'm being a little facetious, but you know, it's the world was much larger. They didn't have no uh, horses or right. So I'm. You think you could crossbreed a camel with a horse? I fuck. I don't know. Being cool, fucking hybrid. That's a good question. We'll cover that another day. Maybe that's the cryptid. Oh, horse! Give, uh, a, hamel, a, a hamel. A <laughs> hamel. A horse. A Hamilton? What the hell is that? A Hamel's a Hamel, of course, of course. What would a Hamilton look like? Hamilton. <laughs> okay. She really didn't think Ida, I'm talking about again, not Hamilton. Ida. Hamilton. Oh my Ida, God, I feel a meme coming on. Ida did, was not. <gasps> a vagina that's blurred out with like a little Mark Hamill clitoris, Hamilton. Yes. Uh, Ida was not really that interested in the fact that they were gone in the morning. What struck her the most was really the fact that their reaction when she tried to interact with the kids. Now, another woman came forward and said that she saw the kids in a car with Florida plates. And then another woman came forward and said she saw the kids in a diner between Fayetteville and Charleston. 
According to her, the kids were in the diner the night after the fire. Now, at this point, the trail goes pretty cold up until 1967. Damn. In 1967, a mysterious letter arrives at the Sauter home. The letter had a picture of a man in his late 20s and early or early 30s. It resembled a lot like what Louis Sauter would look like at that age. From I should have put pictures of the two side by side up here. But it did look like what Louis Sauter would have looked like in his late 30s to or late 20s or early 30s. So that definitely sparked their interest. Now the letter was sent from Central City, Kentucky. On the back of the photo, it said, Louis Sauter. This is a quote. Louis Sauter, I love brother Frankly, Frankie. Little boys, A90132 or 35. Now, the family does not recognize the name Frankie. That means nothing to anybody in the family. They thought the numbers could be a zip code. But unfortunately, when they... And zip codes were fairly new at this point by 67. Yeah. Only a, a year or two in... They've only started that about a year or two before. <clears throat> but according to reports in the Sauter family, there was no zip codes in the United States matching either th- th- that number or the 35 number. Uh, but it did match a city in Plamero, Plamero, Palmero. Palmero. Palermo. Palermo. There you go. Thank you. Italy. Saul Palmetto. Yes. <laughs> this is where the mob conspiracy starts to uh, take off, of course. And let me guess, Janitolo had fucking mob ties. I don't know. Maybe. Got the name for it. Yes. Hey, Janny boy, come here. Let me smack your face real hard just to say hello. Now, I don't personally, through my investigation and what I know about the mob during this time, uh, it doesn't fit very well. The mob, if you think about why I talked about earlier, there, you know, the George spoke out against Mussolini, and it is reported that the residents of Fayetteville, who were of Italian descent, did not. They were fans of Mussolini. From what I've researched and what I know about this era, the mob was no fans of Mussolini either over in Italy. Yeah, you know, they were no big fans, so it doesn't really fit that the mob would try to hurt or take out George because of his anti-Mussolini mm-hmm. rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And plus, hey, killing kids does not fit. The mob can be a lot of fucking shit, but the mob does not take out kids. Right. They, if the mob did want George gone for this, if it would have took George out, not the kids. And they probably would have given the family money. Right. So I I don't personally put a lot of stock into the mob thing, but George does hire a private investigator to go to Central City, Kentucky, where the uh, letter originated or where it was postmarked from. Hmm. Uh, but something strange happens. The uh, private investigator disappears. He never hmm. comes back. He leaves, heading out. They watch him drive off. Was his name Jimmy Hoffa too? No. But this might be, let's be honest, maybe this was just a con artist, took their money and ran. So it doesn't prove anything, but it is, it does play into the mob conspiracies that, you know, people think that maybe he went to Central City, Kentucky, stumbled on something and... Should have gone to Jackson City, Tennessee. But 
that's not where I came from. So it's been a waste of a trip. Piece of shit. But maybe he stumbled. Johnson City, maybe sorry. this investigator stumbled onto something and they had to dispose of him. It's fancy and nice, and, mm-hmm. but let's be honest, he probably just stole the money and skipped town. Yeah. That's more likely to me. Uh, the uh, family then hired a second private investigator, and his name was Oscar Tinsley. Now, this is where things start getting a little interesting. Tinsley started looking into it and forms the opinion that the entire town, including the fire department and Mr. Danatolo, were in on this. There was some kind of cover-up being done about this fire. J.G. or C.J.C.G. Janatello keeps popping up everywhere in this investigation. How much you want to bet that stands for Carlo Giovanni? It's I I do I wasn't going to write down I couldn't spell it so I did not. I, but he went by CG so I said we're going with that. Capicola garlic, something like that. <laughs> now, Janatello sat on the inquiry board. At this time, I don't think we do it much anymore. The uh, examiner uh-huh. that looked at the bodies, it's kind of presented like a grand jury almost. Cause of death, apparently, if I understand this correctly. They vote on it? Kind of, yes. They present <laughs> the evidence of what happened. I guess the ME presents and they vote on it. And the, this board signs off on the death certificate. We're just sitting there around, fucking, around these bodies with, with a slim Jim, like. Right. And down. What do you think, Jim? I think Jim's right. What do you think? Genitello, his name appears on all five death certificates of the children. So that's, it's getting interesting. He fucking did it. And he had, we know he had monetary motives to do it. Yeah, I have yet to hear an argument of him not being the one that done it. Now, that is pretty much the assumption that the kids were abducted in some way, shape, or form. Somebody stole the kids. Now, there's also, is it possible that the kids just ran away and possibly set fire to the house to... To actually cover up their running away, it's possible, I guess. It's ballsy. I mean, it seems a bit much. Yeah, I mean, I don't put a lot. How old was the oldest kid that died? Sixteen. Okay. Sixteen, fourteen, and something. So definitely old enough to do it. Yeah, but shortly after, why would they cut the fucking phone line? I know. I'm just saying this. This is one other. Well, I guess to maybe. Well, because then that would allow them. You would have add to the time it could take a for you to get away, b for it to be more plausible that you died in the fire. Right. So, but this is one conspiracy, or one people believe that maybe the kids just ran away. I mean, there was, I guess, a fraction a faction of people that believed that maybe they killed the kids and they set the fire to cover it up. A little bit morbid, but. I don't know. I'm not. I didn't dive into that. Was the first time? Uh, but there is a little piece of evidence that does pop up here in a little bit, or pops up shortly after the letter from Kentucky comes little in. Little evidence boner. Uh, there was a letter that Desada received a few weeks after the other, the first letter showed up from this lady was from Houston, Texas. She told them that she was sitting at a bar drinking, having a good old time, and she was conversing with a gentleman or two gentlemen and one of the one of the guys who was in his third early early 30s late 20s possibly was bragging about being lewis 
daughter. So she, I guess, was aware or somehow found out about the Sauter family, and she sent them a letter telling George this. Now, what's interesting is, you remember those postal code or those numbers at the back of the photo? Mm-hmm. Apparently, those do line up with, that. Are, they are zip codes in Mexico. Now, could the kids ran off to Mexico or were abducted and went to Mexico? With an R-U-N-N-O-F-T. <laughs> yes. Uh, George obviously decides to go to Houston and he tracks down the guys at the bar somehow and asks them point blank if they were his sons. They said, nope, we're not your sons. We were just drunk, talking shit. However, George went, you know, George went back home, took him at the word, but he never believed, or he always believed that those two were his sons. He met his sons at that time. Well, like 20 it, years it, later or something This like was that. 1967, so 22, yeah, 22 years, years later. 22 years later. Hmm. He went to his deathbed, which was only... I feel like you would know. You would think. You would have that feeling. You, like Even yeah. with that age difference, like I feel like you would look at your kid and be like, oh yeah, that's my fucking kid. You came out of my balls for sure. Yeah, George actually died two years later, 1969. Now, 69, though. Yes. Jenny didn't die until 1989. Goddamn. Yeah, she was, she was an olden. I mean, nah, she wasn't quite 100. Jesus she Christ. She was at least 80. She 80 had a chip on her adult. shoulder. Uh, the survi- surviving, think something crazy happened to her. The surviving kids uh, took up the fight to find the, their brothers and sisters. Uh, shortly after Jenny died, the billboard was finally taken down. That billboard was up until late eighties, possibly early nineties, depending on what month she died. Their erectile head dysfunction. Yes. On April twenty first, the youngest solder child, Sylvia, passed. Finally, passed away. Uh, when? Sorry, April of twenty twenty one. Oh, twenty twenty one. I was going to say Jesus Christ. Yeah, That's it, still twenty twenty one. The final living. Child of the Sauter family passed away in last Ow. last year. Gregan. And let's be honest, odds are she was the last of the children that alive. Even if the other children did run away, they were abducted, and they were still alive. They, they if they didn't die in that fire, they would have been well. They're well dead. cooked. No, they're well dead. Even if they survived it, because they would have been anywhere from eighty-one to ninety years old at this time. Mm. Now, like I said, this is a lot of that's pretty much the story of the Sauter family fire. Fuck. Now, this is a popular story amongst true crime podcasts and bloggers, if blogging is even a thing still. So, naturally, there are a lot of professional debunkers that come in after this. And you know how I feel. I. I don't, I'm just waiting for Bigfoot to get tied in here somehow. No, Bigfoot does not get tied in. Fuck. That's okay, though. Jersey Devil? Nope. No other creatures. Mothman? Nope. West no. Virginia? Nope. Did no. somebody see the Mothman during the fire? Not that I've found. We should start that rumor. We should. Put it on fucking Wikipedia. Now, let's talk a little bit. Like, well, anyway, professional debunkers pissed me off to a certain extent. I think I've talked about it on this podcast before, but professional debunkers are just as bad as true believers. The conspiracy nuts. 
Yeah. Because they are so they're so far the other way in the exact opposite to where everything is rational. Everything is perfectly it's always it all adds up. Yeah. To where anybody that's smart and has any intellect knows there are certain things you can't answer. There are crazy things that happen all the time mm-hmm. that not even science can necessarily explain. So when you deal with a professional bunker, they're looking to debunk it rather than looking to find the truth. You understand what I'm saying? To where, like, say in like Ghost... everything's false until it's... Everything's false until it's true. Right. Just like in, if say, paranormal investigator that is too enthusiastic, everything is a spirit. Yeah. Every knock on the wall is a spirit to them. Just like a professional debunker, every, every knock on the wall is some kind of hoax or a rat or something. Mm-hmm. They, they leave no room for the possibility. Two bookends. What was that sound? This. That was a, a bike rode by and hit a rock in the road and right. it just ricocheted just right and it just so and hit the house. I don't like professional debunkers. For the matter of fact, they are the exact same thing as a true believer just on the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. They're a true believer in falsehoods. Right. To where a good investigator needs to be in the middle. You have to be a little skeptical, but you also have to have a little faith and belief in this kind of stuff. And so I did listen to a podcast that basically was nothing but debunking. Obviously, it sucks so bad he doesn't do it anymore, thank God, because I couldn't even get through it all. He blew major chunks. I won't drag him out. But police did track down that uh, wrong number in the mm-hmm. investigation. I didn't cover that earlier. And it appears it was there was nothing to it. It was just a wrong number. The noises... You know, they were having a party, drunk, having a good time, and dialed a wrong number. So there really wasn't nothing to it. A lot of people thought that maybe that phone call was just to check to see, make sure they were home before yeah. they set the, somebody, whoever the perpetrator set the fire. So that pretty much did get debunked, I would think. Sometimes rent calls just happen, or wrong numbers happen. I get them all the time. Some guy named... Apparently, somebody texted me the other day, yesterday, thought I was Charles. Nice. Wasn't, wasn't me. We got a fucking message request on Instagram, and like called us like Angie or Cheryl or something, and then like sent another one. We're like, oh, sorry. I don't know why I thought that was your name. Oh, that reminds me, before I get into this monkey. You got some dick pics? No. Remember, uh, we were talking on one of the What the Fuck Wednesdays mm-hmm. about the catfish? Yeah. Somehow... I would assume it's the same person sent me a text message. Hmm. I don't know how they got my phone number, first and foremost. And I know it was the same one because they sent me the same pic that they had sent. Oh, the, the last catfish? Yes. I'm like, I, didn't, I was looking and said, oh, I didn't answer that shit. Remember me? <laughs> my name's Ted. I mean Christina. I was like, fuck that. I didn't answer that shit. Sorry, you got the wrong number. My name's Carmel Macchiato. What's up, daddy? No Phil here. You go away. And so you call him, he's like, <clears throat> hey, good looking. I look, she watches the podcast. No, mm-hmm. no, it's me. One of That's what it is. Millions. Dude, it's all these, man, It's it's been happening a lot more since we came to L.A. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's easier for him to get to us. Man, this brickwork is so well done. Yes. Uh, now, the fa- let's talk about the noise on the roof. The guy that built Ben Affleck's house did a great job putting these bricks up. Let's talk about the noise on the roof. Oh, that's that plug again. 
<laughs> now we we talk the fiddlers about, on the roof. No, we talk about uh, Jenny waking up to the, something rolling down the roof. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Now the family thought there was some it was kind Tom Cruise from Mission Impossible. Yes. <laughs> Send in the short guy. He's got this. Now the family always felt, or I should say, George and Jenny felt that the uh, somebody threw like a Molotov cocktail on the roof. Yeah, would you hear that rolling, though? Wouldn't that just break? You would think. You would think. Now, George even went as far as... I guess there was some kind of rubber, green rubber substance found in the in the rubble. Mm, he was went, it his sex toy? He probably, it was his wife's strap-on. It was a hand grenade butt plug. It was his, wi- it was his wife's silicone fist. Uh, but the, he said that this was some like a grenade-type... A napalm grenade. Grenade. A napade. Yes. Which grenade palm. Yes. Which let's be honest. Napalm death. Which is a bit far fetched. I personally believe. It just had some <laughs> leftover from the war. And it, it's also possible that the noise that she heard was maybe ice breaking off, and just rolling down the, rolling down the uh, pitch of the roof. Are you done? Jesus Christ. I didn't think it'd keep going. I mean, there are a lot of... It could have been, like we talked about, an acorn falling or something falling, hitting the roof. It could have been but any, a number of things. I don't know what the tree situation... Would you stop for the love of God? You're distracting me. Uh, I don't know what the trees look like around the house. I hope that picks up on the mic. I don't know if there are any trees close enough to the house hanging over the roof. I don't know. So it's possible that, you know... Walnut or some kind of nut fell off a tree, acorn or something fell off a tree. Gary Busey. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what she heard. That's very possible, but. That's what she heard. Yes. Something rolled down the fucking roof. Now, whether it was related to the fire, we don't know. The, fa- the family is the only one that truly knows what. It was, was the Jersey. It was the Mothman. Yeah. Maybe he was ice skating on the roof. He was, that's how the fire started. He took a big old shit and Mothman shit is fire. Now, skeptics, Obviously, that's why his eyes are ready. Burns from the inside with fiery hatred. Skeptics um, have always questioned the ladder placement. Uh, one actually said that they moved the ladder, just didn't. Or actually, I'm sorry, I fucked that up. One, the person I listened to, and this is that podcast that sucked major balls. God, it was horrible. He actually tried to justify by the moving of the ladder. If. Somebody either went up or was trying to sabotage George's attempt to save the kids. Yeah. And this fucking moron, this mental little person, I had to be PC about that, this ignorant son of a bitch, there you go. actually stated in his podcast, I should fucking throw this guy to the wolves. That's how stupid this fucking nut is. But I won't. I'll be generous. He actually said, why didn't they just break the rungs on the ladder instead of moving it 75 feet away? I'm like, did you really just fucking say that? It'd be easier to break each rung of the ladder than just pick it up and move it. I would say the main argument for it, period, would just be why didn't you just knock the ladder over? Yeah, because every second counts in a fire. Just even moving it up, you know, knocking it over, he has to set it up. You know, well, knocking it over while he's up there. Well, true. That's which true. Which obviously didn't happen this, because, this, but, you know, 
This fuck nut actually said it'd be just as plausible to break the rungs on the fucking ladder than move it. I said, you are a fucking moron. To break what, How are you gonna, 30 yeah, fucking rungs? What are you, you going to do? You're going to climb up it and start breaking them? Because you can't break them from the bottom up because you would only be able to break, what, or maybe seven or eight feet off the ground, which you can easily climb down to that point and just... Or lay it down on something and just start breaking them on the ground. That would take fucking forever. Pick it up and move it fucking 75 feet away. That'd be much fucking easier. But that just, that goes to the point of how fucking professional skeptics look at things. What's easier, just moving the ladder or trying to fucking break the rung so the ladder could be used? What, I mean. Just set the fire, the fucking ladder on fire at the same time. Even better. Anyway. Now, like we talked about earlier, I do kind of agree with some, another guy I listened to, that the trucks, probably there's nothing to it. The trucks probably were just flooded, or it was cold. There was no sabotage to the trucks. Yeah. In my personal expert opinion. Skeptics also like to state that the reason why they never found, or the 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 phone line, the fire was the reason why the phone line did not work. Which, do they just not believe that was cut? The police stated that the phone line was cut. And... I believe that if I, I read some, I don't think I have it in my notes. For somebody to cut that phone line, they had to be willing to climb up like 14 feet mm-hmm. and reach over another two feet to actually from the truck. If they used the trucks, I guess the trucks were right there by it. Say that robber who said who admitted to tr- cutting the line or confessed to cutting the line, he had to climb up another 14 feet on the pole, reach over about two feet to snap or cut the line. Just, you know, that takes a little bit of a, you know, it's not that easy. It's just not a matter of going to the side of the house and clipping. They had to put some effort into cutting the phone lines. But the police did, they were convinced that the phone was cut, not melted. The phone line was cut, cut, not melted. (laughs) So that's really kind of fucking interesting. I mean, I don't know. Oh, yeah. What what are you going to argue? He fucking like Spider-Man over there and just held on and was like, (laughs) No. Like the, the, the Xena's uh, thing. You remember what I'm talking about? Right. Xena had that circle blade that she threw at motherfuckers. He right. just had... Bing. He, he, was he Australian? I don't know. Was this an Australian gentleman? I do not think so. Had a boomerang? Those never Or a bullwhip? Those never fucking... It was Indiana Jones. think it was Indiana Jones? Jesus yep. Christ. It was Indiana Jones. Okay. It was Indiana Jones on top of the truck with a bullwhip. <laughs> Clue has been solved. Suck my dick, internet. I beat all y'all. We solved it. Now, fucking let's, let's talk about this Christmas lights. Talk at me, Phil. I'm not sure. I'm not an expert in fire or electricity. I fear those are both of those are my two biggest fears in life. I hate both. And also, like, what, it's 1945. What are you worried about fucking Christmas lights for? Hey, they were in a Christmas story, damn it. Maybe they. That's maybe that he had a little leg lamp too that caught fire. Did somebody and, shoot their eye out? Yeah, with their Red Ranger, and that's how they cut the phone line with a oh, Red, they Rider, use a Red Ranger, whatever the fuck, to shoot Red the Rider BB gun. Man, see, this is why you come here to the Ghosts in the Night, the GITN Studios, right here in, in the heart of LA, um, is because you get the nitty gritty details, and then you get down to the facts of it and you solve fucking cold cases this is what we do on a daily basis uh where was i at uh we're gonna do bruiser brody next when it gets to the lights oh we should do a wrestling show sometime we might do like bruiser brody or some shit like that 
Yeah. Oh, that uh, murder? Or Yeah. Yeah, that would be a cool true crime one to do, actually. I'll dress up like Bruiser Brody. <clears throat> Excuse me. You gotta now, be like Dusty Rhodes. Oh, that, that hurt. That hurts. Um, anyway. Gold dust. You gotta be. You will paint your face and everything. Puts you in a fucking vinyl suit. <laughs> well, that'd be hot. Oh, I don't know. What would I be like? Rikishi. I'll be Rikishi. <laughs> anyway, getting back to. I got a blonde wig. I'll just go shirtless. I, getting back to the lights and fire and the electricity and the fire. I. It kind of makes sense that in a fire, maybe the electricity would go out. You know, especially if it's electrical fire. It burned through the wires pretty quickly if it was in the walls and the lights would go out. But there are some people that say that lights have been reported on during fires. It's not that uncommon. I don't know. I'm not an expert. If we have any firefighters listening to us, you know, We're send, electricians. Us an e- send us an email at GITMpodcast at gmail. Or just say it in the comments. <laughs> yeah, or do that. But I don't know. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Well, that, that motherfucker. Fucking ice cream truck has been here for a minute. Man, the kids are getting some ice cream. Uh, but I don't know. It's kind of like what, like Eddie Griffin or Eddie Murphy. He says, "I got ice cream, and you don't, because you're on the welfare." What are they talking about in the chats? Us doing absinthe or drinking absinthe? What do we look show. like, Dorian Gray? Didn't he drink absinthe? Probably. I think it was in the. Uh, what was that show you made me watch with? Uh, Josh Harden. Penny Dreadful. Penny Dreadful, yes. I know he drank it in that. I mean, I'm high. So there's that. That is true. Uh, but I don't know about the the lights in the fire. I mean, it kind of makes sense they were got, but also I'm, I don't think it's 100% proof that it was an electrical fire. It was Janitolo. That's all that matters. Uh, I will go with that. We're basically, I did. But let's see. Oh, now, this episode was a lot faster than I thought it would be. No, I, I must have went too fast. Uh, no, the no remains. Story of your life. The no remains thing is a little interesting. I mean, no bones about it. I don't know how. I don't know how they. How was the excavation? We weren't there. We don't know how in depth they went. I would imagine it is kind of hard to find bones in the in the rubble. You'd have to sift through every little bit, almost like an archaeologist with a little screen thing. I mean, is it possible that they just... Yeah, but when you're talking about the death of four kids, you, would, you should do that. You would think that they would just go through every inch of that rubble to try to find... Just call Todd Hoffman from Gold Rush. Yeah, he'll They shift, love shit like that. Shift that shit right out. Like, oh, sleuth, run it through the sleuth. Black gold. No, I, I mean, I guess it's possible in 1945 there was maybe a lack of effort or... They didn't have the materials to really, or the technology to kind of do what, like a search, what like we would do today. It's probably mm-hmm. much easier today to find remains in a. But let's be honest, this is just a two-story farmhouse. Probably wasn't that big. You know, it was probably it wasn't a mansion by any stretch, or like a plantation house or whatever. In Fayetteville, West Virginia, it was probably just a little two-story house. You know, so it probably wasn't. It was that. a double-wide. Probably. So, I don't know. I mean, I think it's very possible that they... It is possible they just didn't find any remains. But, however, I think... I know if it was my kids, I'd probably be personally going through that shit for days. I mean, just sitting in the fucking rubble and just going through shit. All I see is you sitting in the the burnt remains of a house with, like... Like, it's it's a really sad adult sandbox. Like, you've got Tonka (laughs) toys and you're like... 
<laughs> oh fuck. Anyway, but I don't. You know, it's. I the heat is an issue. There should have been remains found there. There's no way that house probably did not probably not get hot enough to cremate and burn the bones and teeth enough where nothing could be found. If the only way it could be is if they were just missed it in the uh, rubble. Now, or maybe this was the same kind of fire that uh, happened in nine eleven too. Yeah, but, where a uh, passport may, survived. <laughs> find a pristine passport that was on the plane from a hijacker. Yeah, that didn't even burn. though it burnt at a almost unfathomable degrees. degrees. Yes, yes. Nothing to see here. Nothing funny went on. Anyway, so I don't. I mean, I'm tuned in for that one. I'm kind of torn on about the remains thing. Like Natalie Ambrosio. Yes, I don't have. Is that her? I think that's her. I think it is. I don't. I lying naked on the floor. I really don't know about. I I would think they would have found remains, or they at least would have continued to look until they found something. I would personally think that, but I don't. Like I said, I wasn't there. I do not know their technique or how long they did it or whatever. Did they just give up after and they gave it too quick? So I don't know. Now, I think that's about all my notes. There is part of this conspiracy that I didn't cover in my notes I want to get to now and kind of talk about. There, the Tinsley, the second private investigator who really dug into the town and really felt that there was some sort of cover-up. That guy definitely wore a Sherlock Holmes hat. Oh, absolutely. Had a pipe. Mm-hmm. A curly Q mustache. Yes. A monocle. Um, but a, a pocket watch with an absurdly long chain on it. There, I didn't make my notes, but we'll talk about it now. The fire chief. Oh, oh before I get into that. Was Janitolo? No. <laughs> the, a lot of people in a lot of podcasters make the assumption that the fire, tar- fire department was behind it because it took them six. They didn't get there till five hours after the fire started. Now, as is tradition. I mean, that's how it works in, in fire rescue, right? I'm no, not going to You wait. don't go fucking as soon as you can. You fucking wait five hours. I do not think personally that they were dragging their feet from what I know about volunteer fire department. And it's not like I've known guys that were volunteer firemen back in the 80s and 90s. They had their little tone thing, so they knew when the fire yeah. was going on. Back, in, back then, they didn't have that. They had to actually physically call. So it doesn't surprise me that it took that long to get everybody in and get over there. I don't think there's some grand conspiracy behind that. The, the, the amount of time that it took. Now, and I even read on some, one of the fire, volunteer fire, fire, one of the volunteer firemen. Because don't they have to, like. Was actually Jenny's brother. And didn't they have to, like, steer the back of those fire, those old fire trucks? Right. And plus. So you have to have another person. Right. It was World War II, so most Fighting age men were gone. Mm-hmm. They probably hadn't come back yet. No, World War II was over by then. But just a few months, they, were, they probably were still. There were probably still some there. Right. And that They're was still like five hundred miles away because it takes nine. I'll be. Uh, yeah, man, Mama, war's over. I can't wait to see you. Give you a hug. I'm gonna see all the kids. I'm gonna play with the dog. I'm gonna help Daddy uh, plow the fields, and I'll be there. I, I'm in uh, New Jersey. I'll be there. I'd say two, three months. Yeah, so I, you know, I don't lay a lot of fault that they were sandbagging the arrival time of showing up. 
However, I did make my notes, like I said, but apparently the fire chief did tell a priest, I want to I want to say it was a priest, that he did found, find... He did done found. He did find remains at the prop and buried them. Why? This got back to George, and he went and dug, dug it up, and they found what looked to be some, like a an organ of some type, like a liver of some type. Upon examination, it turned out to be like a cow liver. When was this? This was a few years... Nah, yeah, see, there's no way. You wouldn't find a fucking organ. Right. But it was a cow liver, and it had not been in a fire. It was just degraded by being... Decomposing by being in the ground. For probably like a week. So why did the fire chief, I forget his name... Go to this length. Was he trying to give? Was it? He's trying to cover, cover up something for... up, or was it he trying to? He knew this family was going through it. They weren't going to let it go. Maybe he was trying to give them some peace, some closure. So they that seems far fetched. I mean, it seems a little bit far fetched. Yeah. But I do not think the fire department was completely involved. If there was a conspiracy behind this, I do not think that the fire. Not all the fire department was. Involved because, like I said, one of the fire volunteer firemen that showed up was actually the brother of the mother, Jenny, daughter. Jenny. So I don't think that's the case. So what happened to these kids? Were they in the fire? Did did they run away? Did they get murdered? And the family was, you know, that's a little morbid, but fuck. That's just as plausible that they killed the kids. I mean, I don't know. I would hope not. I don't know what happened to the kids, but I feel like I know who done it. JG or GJ or JG Wentworth. CG Janet. He needed cash now. I. JG JG Wentworth. Send them to heaven cash now. I I don't know whether the kids died in that fire or not. I find it hard. It doesn't seem like it. I find it. Maybe they were fucking sacrificed to the Illuminati. Very possible. I don't like it's an Italian word. I don't like the mob version of this conspiracy. For the matter of fact, like we covered, the mob it, wouldn't have killed kids. They would not have killed kids. They would have killed fucking George. Yeah, because like I said, they probably would have even given money to the family. Like the mafia has rules about that shit. They don't fucking kill kids, and they don't kill women, or they don't kill civilians. And usually, when they take somebody out, that was a provider for the family you just randomly will find dude there's apparently there's like i think from what i've read and heard i think there's still people out there that still get random bags of money left on like in their mailbox oh i would imagine yeah who's like their dad or husband got fucking off by the mafia and they're like we got to get these people these these are good innocent people it's not their fault that paulie the rat was their motherfucking father we killed that jizz ball piece of shit. Uh, now go but, drop this off to flow. So I don't buy. Tell the, her I want some goddamn cannolis. I do not buy the mob involvement in this. I think. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. Now, if the mob was involved in it, whoever carried this out, then there should be a a mob killing somewhere within three days of this, because if somebody from the mob did do this, the mob would probably then kill that person as well. I find it hard. 
there's, like we said, not the mob. I find it hard to believe that they were abducted. Somebody got into that house, climbed the ladder, abducted five kids. One of them was, what, 16? Or they just walked in. If a phone, like, Jenny was sleeping upstairs. She heard, she woke up by the phone ringing downstairs, probably in the kitchen. At that time, most phones were in the kitchen. They had one phone in the house that was probably on the kitchen wall or somewhere in the kitchen. That woke her up. She woke up again with something hitting the roof. No, she was not the heaviest of sleepers. You would have think, and she was upstairs. Her bedroom was upstairs. Mm-hmm. She carried the youngest. She got the two-year-old with her out when she she went up, got the two-year-old, went down, woke everybody else up, and then they, you know, got the other kids in the downstairs out and went back in to get the kids from the upstairs. But Jenny was upstairs. So if somebody broke into the house, she probably would have heard them trying to rustle five kids, kidnap five kids. If she, from her, what she reported that night, she heard the phone, she heard, got woken up by the fucking acorn hitting the fucking tree or hitting the tin roof. She would the have Molotov heard that. cocktail. Now, so that leaves me with the kids are either died and they just never found the remains, or the kids left and ran away. Now, hold on. Let me, uh, let me, uh, I got the ages. Where's the fuck? Let me go up here. Let me see the, I got, let me go up to the top. The ages of the children that died. uh, Let me, where is that? Okay. Okay, the kids that went missing. Maurice, 14. I'm sorry. Martha was 12. Louis was 9. Jenny was was 8. And Betty was 5. So they crowd, if they were abducted, a 14-year-old boy, which a 12-year-old girl, 9-year-old boy, an 8-year-old girl, and a 5-year-old girl without anybody hearing him. So that's fucking possible. Anybody that has kids, you know, Two kids are hard enough to corral. They make all kinds of fucking noise. They'd wake the dead. Right. Now, when it comes to if Maurice, who was 14, wanted to run away, or Louis, who was nine, that wanted to, or any of the older kids, why did all five of them want to run away? Now, one of them would make sense. Maybe two. But yeah, the 14 and 12-year-old, yeah. For w- sure. W- why would all five go... Kids want to run away. That seems very unlikely to me as well. Use the little ones like pack meals. <laughs> yes, carry our shit. So it just—it's not a bad idea. When I say this is a mystery, this is a one hundred percent mystery. I had to guess somehow they did. Here's that. what happened. You break off the knowledge. Here's what happened. So Janatolo was butt hurt about him not upping. Or not buying the life insurance for the kids. Yes, he was pissed off about that. So, and he already, and him and in Mister Sauter already had bad blood between each other. Right. Let's build a little story here. I, I don't know. Maybe like somebody fucked somebody's wife, or or there's a bad poker game, something, something to get under Janatolo's skin. So then Janatolo 
Okay, yeah. Let's go full movie mode. Let's really paint the background. Who's Mr. Playing Sodder Je- had a gambling problem. Who's playing Janitolo? Who's playing Mr. Sodder? Sodder is John Cusack. And Janitolo is Steve Buscemi. Ooh, nice. So Janitolo has a little bit of a gambling problem. He's a really good dad and he's a good man, but he's got a little he's got a little addiction to gambling. Got a little dick and he gambles? Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. So he's been going to the gambling hall. He's been on a hot streak. Okay. We got So it. he's down and we're gonna paint a real dramatic picture here. So he's he's at the gambling hall, the the speakeasy, whatever. Okay. And him and, and, and he's sitting there and Janitolo's sitting across from him in a very well made bowler hat and okay. drinking fine brandy out of a snifter. I'm with you. And Janitolo's sitting there on a fucking like, I don't know, a queen king, and he's got like a royal flush looking at him on the flop. Yeah. So Janitolo's thinking this is the bag. Maybe it's even a straight flush. Okay. Sh- we're we're up there. We're 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 pretty confident. Okay, Janitolo's dick is hard. His uh cut diamonds with that motherfucker. His his Italian sausage is ready to be eaten eaten. So Mr. Sodder's looking over. He's getting over. He's getting a little sweat to him. He's already taken off his tweed jacket. Okay. Because he put on the he put on his church clothes for this because he wanted to look like a high roller. I'm with you. He's at a table he shouldn't be at. No. Playing above his means. The wife wife thinks he's getting fucking milk at the grocery store. Yeah, something. Whatever kids ate back in the day. Corned beef hash. I don't fucking know. I don't know. Canned chicken. Okay. So he's got a little sweat. He he takes off he takes off his his wireframe glasses. To reevaluate, and then, lo and behold, the river, because he's sitting on a pair of aces, right? Is the river the second? The river's the second to last card, right? It's no. Flop, river, and then what? No, it's flop, river, then turn, or turn, then river. River. Okay, is, so the turn. Ri- river is the last card. Okay, so the turn drops another ace. Okay, he's got he's got trip, triple aces. Okay, three aces. So he he starts to get his balls get a little big. So he goes, he looks across the table at uh, Steve Buscemi Janitolo, and Steve Buscemi just does like the, the little thing between the gap in his front teeth, and he goes, "Well, Sodder, what do you got over there? You got the aces." Is I wish I had the aces, Steve Buscemi Janitolo. Well, no man's that lucky, especially no man named Sodder. So then they drop their river, fourth ace. Dun, dun, dun. Janitolo's still got some money in front of him. Okay. So what does is, what is Mr. Sodder, what does John Cusack Sodder do? He, uh, he takes out the pocket watch that his grandfather okay. brought him back from the war, the first war. World War One. That says, to my grandson. John Cusack Sauter. Never fucking get rid of this goddamn watch, you and the little shit. That's a lot of engraving going on. And he puts it down. How big was that watch? And Steve Buscemi Janitola goes, what's that, Sauter? He goes, that's all I've got. And Steve Buscemi Janitola then pushes his whole pile of wooden poker chips down. And, like, this is when you see a bead of sweat come off of... uh, John Cusack Sauter's forehead, and as that bead of sweat hits 
the fucking poker table and splashes up in slow motion. I'm with you. In the background, fucking out of focus, you see $200 chips just sphinx, sphinx, sphinx. Okay. next to the watch from Steve Buscemi Janitolo's giant wad of fucking poker chips. Okay. He says, and Steve Buscemi Janitolo says something along the lines of, well, that's just not good enough, is it, Sider? And, and he just sits there and he... You see, it goes slow mo when it's like you can hear like the heartbeat and the breathing, and mm-hmm. you see him slow mo like blinking while he's looking. He looks down at the solid gold wedding ring. Oh, no, he's not. That his wife gave him that was given to her from her father after their mother passed away, giving birth to her what would have been their last child that would complete the set. <laughs> like their little oh, wait, Russian wait. nesting doll. What are they? Movie fucking toys from no, they just, fucking they're Happy just goal Mills? setters. So he looks at the at the at the hundred year old ring given to her his wife by his fa- her father from their dead mother, and he says, and then slow mo again. It just tumbles off the end of his finger and ting 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 ting, and comes to rest. On top of one of the poker chips. Okay. And he leans back in his chair. And then Janitolo leans back in his chair. And they look at each other. And that... <laughs> that moment. The Nobody's John Wayne, the Clint Eastwood moment. What? Nobody's wearing no, it's sunglasses. the 40s. Okay. They're not time travelers. So it's not like that guy at the we were watching the other night on TV. Had sunglasses and gloves on. No. Okay. So they sit back and then Steve Buscemi... Janitolo starts to take a drink of his fine brandy and then and then John Cusack Sauter sits back and takes a drink of his I don't fucking know his ale and like you see Steve Buscemi just with the three fingers just gingerly sips out of it while he's looking John Cusack Sauter in the eyes and John Cusack Sauter's got a little shake but he's got some he's got some some retribution in his eyes yeah, and Steve Buscemi, Janitolo goes, show him, Sider. And they flip over and then just, you know, damn it. And they start checking. His henchmen, his cronies grab him and start checking him for the fucking little f- thing fucking that puts the char- card in your hand. Mm-hmm. Nothing. He goes, I guess you got me this time, Sider. Now get the fuck out of here before I, f- before I get out of my good mood or something. I don't know. Get to get your lollygagging hooting and ass out of here now gone now get i just I, I i have a question though it's not even over oh fuck and then and then so to recruit some of the losses okay steve buscemi janitolo sends let's see what actor would he send what, who would be his number one man alec baldwin no not menacing enough and i don't know if he's gonna know. be acting for a while <laughs> he done shot two people <laughs> While acting, he's a workplace hazard. <laughs> you think? Um, who would it be? It'd be. I know Gregory, right? What would he say? He said, "This is the story that never ends. It goes on." I'm on. writing a movie right now. This is what we're doing. Hey, somebody's going to steal this, and we're going to lose all the money. Yeah. If hmm. who would be? There will be a lawsuit if we watch this movie in two years. Who would it be? Who do you think? Who would be a? An Italian American in West Virginia crony. Henchman type? 
Vince Vaughn. Uh, no, he's too Polish. I don't even think he's Polish, but he kind of looks Polish. I would say it's the height. A good henchman. Let's go. No, oh no, Tom Cruise. No, no. Okay, let's go. Is it older or younger? An old henchman? Not too old, because he's got to be able to do the the acrobatic stuff. Jesus, saw the temperatures for next week. How about Ben Affleck? Mm. Hmm. I'm really thinking hard on this one. It'd be The Rock, really. Or uh, he's dead. Never mind. Always plays it. Always plays a good uh, henchman. Who powers Booth? But Joey Diaz. Ooh, yes. But getting him to act is hard. It, it would work. All right, Sada, you cocksucker. You cocksucker. So anyway, he sends his henchmen. Okay, get to the story. Dressed as, posing as an insurance salesman to offer him this insurance policy so that Janitolo can recruit some of his losses. Okay. And then it gets turned down. So what does what is Steve Buscemi Janitolo to do at this point? Kill the son of a bitch. He's going to kill him, and he's going to take the money that he's already owed and that he's already papered for from the insurance policies. But he takes it one step further. Okay. What better way to embarrass somebody than to also take their children. And Janitolo takes his children and grooms them into his henchmen and then also outsources some of them into a more interstate popular criminal foundation. So we got... So you've got little like drug smugglers, if you need them, little innocent fucking... And you just tell them, and he says, if you, you saw what happened to your, what, what almost happened, you saw what your family thinks happened, and if you don't do this, this will happen to your family. I think we got an Academy Award winner here. Yeah. And then John Cusack Sauter, over the course of this, starts to find clues of this, and you know, he's like dangling people off bridges and, and you know, doing some real vigilante he's Batman shit. It. Yeah. Okay. And then... He goes and he gets advice and seeks the camaraderie of the neighborhood good guy that's a bad guy, played by Tom Hardy, of course. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> kind of laid back. That's not a bad idea. Or like Idris Elba. Yeah, you got to have, you know, you got to keep it diverse. <laughs> I believe diversity was an old, old wooden now, ship. Who's going to be the lesbian or gay couple that live on the other side of the farm? Uh, the one guy from um, Entourage. I think his name was like Rory or some shit like that. Ari. Oh, oh, uh, Jeremy Piven. That guy. Yeah. And um, fucking uh, James Corden. Oh, good. I like that. I like it. Okay, so we're hit, checking all the boxes. We got it. I think we got it. Okay, I think we got it. And, wait, I don't even know. Uh, Greg, I would rather slam my dick in a sliding glass door than see this. That was hurtful, Greg. That sounds like a great... If you had, a, if you had, like a, had $800,000 worth of CGI per minute, you got a great movie. You do, see? I'm, we're a little hurt, Greg. We're a little hurt, Greg, by your 
And then Lack of since it's John Cusack, sorry, John Cusack's solder, he runs into, and that's the final moment, is him running into his son and telling his son, and his son's so far removed that he doesn't even remember half of this stuff. He Except just th- he thinks that he thinks that that's how they ended up in fucking Tucson, Arizona, because of the fire, and they were displaced, and they had family that lived there. But really, it was Janatolo's fucking side piece raising him as their own. I and that kid, since it's John Cusack's son, will be played by Adam Driver. There we go. It's over. Cut and wrap. You're all welcome. We might do this movie ourselves and just put it on YouTube. I mean, I haven't talked to John Cusack in a while, but I mean, I might, I mean, I might be able to. I don't know if he he might have changed his number. Are we going to bring in Jenny Solder? Anywhere? You Dakota know, Fanning. No, Cusack's. Make it real weird. Make it his sister. Oh, his wife. <laughs> Make John Cusack's sister play his wife. No, she's got weird teeth. <sighs> uh, trying to think age group. So what's? I mean, hmm. Susan Sarandon. Uh, but John or John Cusack's wife, yeah, well, fucking old for him. You think? Yeah, John Cusack. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um. Oh, Charlize Theron. Yeah, that'll work. She's hot. I just want—I mean, you know—to work with a woman of that Who'd magnitude. You, who you got playing? Uh, uh, Donatello again. Steve Buscemi. I think I know somebody better. Who? Tom Penn. Or Jimmy uh, the henchman. Or um fuck, what's his name? The one guy. God damn it. He's Don't in know. everything that is mob related. Fuck. Uh, no. Ray Liotta is dead. Also R. not R. him. P. Fuck, what's his name? I'm gonna find him. I got this. The one that was actually a mobster? Was he? I don't I, know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna find him. Talk about something. See, Jessica's down for this movie. See, what roles do we play? Right? Can I be the uh, the thief that stole the block and tackle and uh, gets arrested? You can be the fire chief. That's not bad. Um, or I want no. I want to be Oscar Tinsdale. I want to be the PI. Okay. That's not bad either. Oh. That, that brings down Ooh. Janitolo. Oh. Ooh, I got it. What we got? I know who Janitolo is. Who? Christopher Walken. I think so. We got it. That would make the poker scene incredible. That would make all the scenes incredible. They'd be, he'd be like, and, I, and since it's John Cusack, he always freaks out. He'd be like, I know it was you, Janitolo. I know you did it. Don't lie to me. And he'd be like, Mr. Sutter, why do you think I would do this to your lovely family? With a little, he's got the little smile that Christopher Walken always has. Like, now, I'm sorry for your loss, but please. And he does the lean in. Get the fuck out of my office. Or what's his name? Another one we had, we might have to, would be, uh, what's his name? Fuck. From Rounders. John Malkovich. Ooh, yes. John Malkovich. <laughs> John Malkovich is good at all things. Do you know he didn't? He wouldn't do press after Con Air because he didn't know what his character was doing or what they did in the end. Apparently, that movie was rewritten almost every day on set, hmm. and it makes sense. 
That should be our first movie movie review is fucking uh, Con Air. There's so much wrong with that movie, but it's still so good. But, but think about it. It's got all kinds of fucking... There's a... Dave Chappelle's... I forgot Dave Chappelle was in that fucking movie. Did you know... Yeah, Ving Rhames, Vin Nick Rames. Cage, John Malkovich, uh, Danny Trejo, Steve John... Uh, Steve Buscemi, fucking... John Cusack. John Cusack, Arlie... Or not Arlie, Ermy, um... What's his name? Cole Meany, the fucking the DEA guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Who else? I feel like we're missing somebody. Who was the girl? Who was his wife? She was an act like a known actress too. That was a big cast. It was for a terribly amazing movie. Oh, and the black guy with diabetes or whatever. Uh, oh, it was uh, Bubba Blue? Yeah, uh, played Bubba. Uh, what was? I don't know. He's dead now, isn't he? McKee or Mackay, Mackay, something like that. Yeah. He's right off Bubba. He was right off. Uh, I can't feel Forrest my legs, Hill. folks. Right. Shrimp and potatoes, shrimp salad, shrimp sandwich, shrimp stew. All right, I think that wraps up the Solder Kids mystery. Now we're going to talk about Con Air. <laughs> Seriously though, if you think about that movie, like Con Air, yeah, it's ridiculous. If you really think about that movie, like for one, for instance, where they landed the plane, they landed on the Vegas Strip. The Vegas Strip is a mile from the airport. And then it's surrounded by desert. So you couldn't have landed the plane in the desert or at the fucking airport even. Crazy, right? And also think about the fact that after (laughs) that, they do like fucking they move a plane mm-hmm. with a tractor and manpower in the time that it takes the authorities to get there yes i mean it's there's all kind of holes in that and the authorities also go through the only choke point entering this fucking place it's in the middle of the desert with no fences but they go down the the fucking the the spot that Clint Eastwood would never go down on horse. And there's literal high ground. There's walls of crushed cars on either side of them. They're like, that's where we go in. That's the best point of egress. Oh, we do have a place for, uh, what's her name? Who? Oh. Susan Sarandon? Susan Sarandon, yeah. You can play Ida Crutchfeld Field. Ah, uh, mm. the motel. No, Kathy Bates. No, no. Okay, Susan Sarandon can play the lady that was at the bar in Texas. Yes, perfect. perfect. She does that per- that Southern twang perfectly. Right. Okay. And then Crutchfield is maybe Kathy Bates. Horace or... Leachman. No, Horace Leachman's dead. B. Arthur, if she was alive. What's uh, the the uh, British lady. Helen Mirren? Yes. <laughs> We're just showing the level of cinephile that we've reached in our life right now. I mean, she plays... Is the there British... any other characters? Ooh, detectives. There's got to be at least one detective, right? For the town? Well, the fire chief should be... Hmm. The fire chief. Stern, but stupid. Hmm. Sam Elliott. No, too stern. Okay. If there's a sheriff, Stan Elliott. Kurt Russell. Ooh. Kurt Russell. Val Kilmer. 
No. no. Poor, poor Val. Too much plastic surgery. Plus, he has to speak with one of those things now. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. That sucks to suck. Um, <clears throat> hmm. Because you'd have to have, like, you would want to cast them with a slight dumb factor. Or silly or funny, even. That could be, We're talking police? The oh, fire chief. Fire chief. Uh, it's a we'll rewrite it norm from fucking cheers no we'll rewrite it a little bit and make it him a little bit younger and that's who Vince Vaughn can be kind of funny kind of out of his league Mm. doesn't know what the fuck he's doing or Vince Vaughn could be the block and tackle robber Shia LaBeouf oh yeah that'd be a good one okay so Kiefer Sutherland for the yeah, I like that. And what about Detective? Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson. We got to get him in here somewhere. A black detective in 1945 in West Virginia? Yes. In an Italian neighborhood? Yes. Okay. I don't know if I'd buy that one. Or, okay, Samuel L. Jackson can be play, have a cameo. He's the car that drives by that reports it to... That people. motherfucker's on fire! <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. Ashton Kutcher. Does he even act anymore? Isn't he busy know. saving child, child traffic uh, children? I that and Uber. Fuck, I don't know. Who would be the perfect detective? That's the last piece. You have to have a good detective. Charlie Sheen. Ew. No, we don't want to kill the whole uh, cast. Good detective. Bruce Willis. Yeah. You tell me you didn't find any remains. Oh, in the fucking coroner is um No, the, the detective cor- should be Ed Norton. Ooh yeah. With a little southern twang. Yeah. Mm. The coroner who's the the coroner, I have the coroner. He's the comedic uh relief of the movie. It's um John Torturo. Oh yeah. Or Hank Azaria. No, and I just to be really I, funny. I blackballing him now, I don't like him. He's not making the production. Okay, so he can be John Torturo as the coroner. He can be the narrator and do it in Papu or Papu's Papu's voice, whatever the fuck. But no, yeah, John Torturo is the is the and then yeah, and then when they're at the coroner's office and Bruce was like, "You find any burnt remains in those ashes?" And he's like, "No, officer. All I found is." Lies, <laughs> and then it's like fucking on to the next scene. All right, is there a narrator? James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman? Just right at the end, after all the years of searching and hard work, none of those sawed-up children were found. Many I like, like to believe that they lived out a life somewhere else, and although they had gone through the tragedy of losing their family and their home and being taken away, they had lived some kind of a valuable life. Without much struggle, I think but the world's hit. never gonna know. We we got a hit on our fucking Lawrence head. Fishburne, or the fucking the Navy guy, Navy guy, the in the Navy that guy with the fucking gap in his teeth. I don't know his name. There's a lot of good narration options. Mike Rowe, we'll go. Deadliest catch it. <laughs> or like James Attenborough. All right. I never found this. Oh, Billy, what's his face? Uh, the Irish guy or 
Scottish or whatever with the crazy hair. It's funny as fuck. Talks like this. I'm drawing a blank. I have no. He was idea. in fucking like a series of unfortunate events, and oh, he was the dad in um, uh, Boondock Saints. Fuck, I don't know. For the my for the. I don't know. We'll work on casting this. I don't think we're going to be I've able. I've got to... a butterfly on my hand, and now I'm going to shoot you. I do not think we have the budget for all these celebrities. No, this is going to be. This is like the next. We're the next Tarantino or Guy Ritchie or Cohen Brothers, and like these people are just going to volunteer their time to make this masterpiece. Okay, I, we'll work on it. I say we end up the end this episode. It's probably a good idea. We've went over two hours. Gary Busey. Gary Busey is what Gary Gary Busey is the town drunk. Yes. He's the what's his name? Otis from Andy Griffith or some shit like that. What we Billy Connolly, that's it. Oh yeah. Oh, hello. How about Gary Busey's son? As the robber. He he plays a Gary Busey as the robber. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the town racist be uh you gotta have a town racist. Have Mel Gibson play that. No, the town robber is the guy that plays uh, uh, Casey Dutton on Yellowstone. Oh, that'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. All right, we're gonna get the fuck out of here because. Oh my god, the guy that plays Rip from Yellowstone is the fucking uh, detect is the crony for uh, oh, Janitolo. There you go. Perfect. You don't even have to change it. Literally, you can wear the same outfit. He just has to leave the set of Yellowstone, which is, you know, we just send the GITN jet from L.A. to Montana, pick him up, and he he moonlights as our fucking crony for Steve Buscemi. Okay. We'll get to work on this. We'll We'll let you guys know. Release date sometime in the next six to eight months. Or decades. We don't fuck around. All right. We are going to end it there. Thank you to everybody who showed up in the chat. We greatly appreciate it. <laughs> this is the stupidest 30 minutes at the end of an episode we've ever done. Uh, it was so much fun. Don't forget about Wednesday. We will be back for our What the Fuck Wednesday episode. We'll keep you guys. Well, we might keep you posted on the interview we were talking about earlier. It might just kind of pop up and be done, like just out of nowhere. But And as we'll always. The uh, after the What the Fuck Wednesday, we will do a Patreon exclusive after show for all the Patreon members. And if you want to get that, go to patreon.com slash GITN podcast. And you too can become a Patreon subscriber and also get the Wednesday after show where it's just like this live stream. We, and, but that's more for you guys. We, there's a lot more interaction, interaction. with the chat uh, <clears throat> on Wednesdays and on the Patreon uh, after show. Uh, don't forget if you want to go dirty, bitch if you want to, i didn't do it damn it i'm sorry if you want to uh know when we're going to go live in our schedule be sure to follow us on all our social media links that's instagram at ghost underscore night underscore podcast uh twitter at night underscore ghost facebook just at ghost of the night and i might also, make i think i might make a snapchat okay that's that works and on twitter or on, i'm sorry twitter on tiktok at gitn.podcast tiktok's we, all right it's all right. Twitter's okay. Instagram's where it's at for real. Yeah. All right. Dad, it's going to wrap it up. We will see you Wednesday. Take care, everybody. We love you. Say bye, Travis. Steve Buscemi, Janet Total fucking did that shit. Those kids aren't a lot, aren't dead. They're fucking slaves. Bye. Yeah.